You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Episode 13 of the Versus Node podcast. My name is Eddie Inzotto, your host here, as always, with Jason Finelli. How are you, Jason? Sad. Sad. Why are you sad? I'm sad because of the way my Heavy Rain playthrough turned out. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fantastic. That is spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. I wasn't going to say anything, I promise. Um, Imagine how sad. How, how, as, as far as a gamer's concerned, how could you, how could you be sad? Uh, Besides heavy rain ending not the way you wanted to, how could you be sad? This is like the, this is going to be the best year, ever, for games. It's just every month there's one more game that's going to knock me on my ass. What I about, love it. What about the year of Ms. Pac-Man? <laughs> <laughs> okay, gender equality aside, this is the best year of gaming. <laughs> that year must have been good. I don't remember what it was. And that's Kyle Stalick, some hobo that we picked up, also <laughs> a video game journalist, which he would hate for me to call him ever again, and um, a teacher. Yeah. How are you, Kyle? Not too shabby. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> do I get the 20 bucks like after, or is it before, or what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay. And we are all joined by Matt Arazzo. A... Hey guys, there he is, and he looks like a PSP on Skype. Because I am a PSP. He's actually a PSP. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of interior hard- hardware. Yeah. Aww. Aww. <laughs> oh man, but he's widescreen. I don't know if that's a good thing. Ladies. <laughs> 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 So we're all here to talk about some stuff related to gaming, and today it happens to be downloadable content, a.k.a. DLC. Um, seems like we're seeing a whole lot more DLC as time goes on, and as the industry sort of shifts to allow for such additions to the normal retail offerings that d- developers and publishers have. And um, I wanted to see what everybody thinks about it. What do you guys think of DLC, just in general? Like, a basic overview from each of you. Let's start with uh, Matt. Um, Well, I think DLC can be both good and bad, honestly. Um, I mean, now nowadays, in the, in the generation of consoles and, and PC as we are, uh, it seems that DLC is overtaking expansion packs, even though... More recently, we get like Dragon, Wa- Dragon Age Awakening and um, more, I guess, more full-fledged expansion packs are making a return. But um, it seems like these a la carte, small ba- small bites DLCs are taking over, and I actually kind of like that. I like paying, you know, five, ten dollars for an extra three to four hours of gameplay to expand a game that I enjoy, such as like Borderlands or Fallout Three. Um, so I, 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 mean, I really like where it's going, but at the same time, we can get bad DLC. Um, so, I mean, horse armor comes to mind immediately, so, but, um, 
<laughs> if, you were, if you were emotionally invested on that horse, that five dollars is well spent. Don't you lie. You're right. I, I I forgot. I got the horse from the uh, the evil horse, and I put that horse Shadow armor on him. He looks so awesome. <laughs> but then again, did he even need armor? I mean, no. so badass. That yeah, was... I, don't, I don't think he ever died. Actually, no. like he would just like either get un- knocked unconscious and just come right back. Yeah, but he could get lost, and they'd never see him again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, DLC like it's, it's it's good and bad, and but I mean, I think it's we're getting to that point where it's becoming more substantial. I mean, I want to point to uh, Borderlands right now because they have three packs. I mean, the second one, Mad Moxie, wasn't that great, but the first and third are substantial additions to the main game, and they're sort of like modules. So stuff like that makes me really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting when they expand narrative and open up the world more as opposed to just dropping maps or or extra items or things on the player yeah so what do you think uh kyle well uh you know for heavy rain we're talking right before we start recording about the uh downloadable content for that and you know if that had nothing to do with the world or anything it's just another tale that can be done in the heavy rain like gameplay element, I guess. I'm cool with it. I don't care if it, if it's you know played from another player's or another person's perspective or another story in that saga. Just give me more of that. <laughs> Open up the platform to other people, you know, like independent people to you know submit their assets, submit their dialogue, submit their motion cap or something to do, you know. Yeah, well, now that's a really good good idea, actually. I wonder if developers have considered doing that, opening up a platform, like opening up their game engine to use other people's ideas, because that could be sort of an endless stream of content. I mean, aside from mods, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, on uh, Steam right now, you can get, like, some mods um, specifically support downloadable content for them. And I think there's, what is it, Killing Floor. You can only get certain mods for Killing Floor, you know? But that that in itself is based off of the uh, Unreal Engine. So it's like a mod of a mod of a mod. Right. Endless cycle. Yeah, Endless yeah. Cycle. But it works, it works because, you know, there are really good mods for Killing Floor right now. And if they could do that with, you know, Heavy Rain, I'd be all groovy for it. We're sort of going towards that way with... Uh with user-created content, sort of like Rock Band Network, which is coming soon, which, you know, users can create their own songs. They get, they get the tools. You get to use XNA, but you get to make your own stuff. I mean, I remember Microsoft saying way back when the Xbox 360 was first um, being revealed and released, they were saying, oh, well, users can create their own content and sell it on the marketplace. Well, no, we can't do that. But, I mean, it seems we're going that way, and Rock Band Network seems to be, like, the right step in the right direction. Yeah, but fuck Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> All you do- it's glorified, Simon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can just see like a Simon, like a pad on the screen now, and every time you just push a button, and just like red, blue, green. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. <laughs> Simon is like sitting on a street corner right now, drunk and like no one remembers me. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn rock band guys. Yeah. I mean, that's my basic attitude. I mean, it's good and bad, like we said, but uh, you know, I, I hope we get more creative with downloadable content instead of "Hey, expand your game this way." Yeah. I think it's interesting how it seems that downloadable content kind of evolved out of the modding community 
and then it went more strictly to the developer end, and now we're getting further and we're talking about giving it back to the players once more, but through different channels. Well, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, piracy, you know, piracy kind of led to having downloadable content and or digitally distributed games and stuff, so I'm not surprised that consumers are leading the charge in this again, so... Thanks, Pirates. They show what they want, and then the developers figure out ways to give it to them for money. Or we just demand it, and they have no fucking choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one way of saying it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jason, what about, what's your your general standpoint here? I'm at peace with downloadable content. (laughs) Um, I have made peace with it. I think that I like downloadable content that, as they were saying earlier, will add to the story or add to the game itself, like the Borderlands and the Heavy Rain. I am not at peace with downloadable content that is essentially an unlock for something already on the disc. That bothers the shit out of me. Oh, Eddie, if you're gonna if you're gonna put it on the disc, make it available from the disc. Don't make me spend 400 points for a versus mode Resident Evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's, mo- it's mostly Japanese companies, though, if you notice that, right? I mean, Katamari, yes. Katamari uh, Forever, or which one, the one on Xbox, was, a, was the largest offender. So, And I think Ace Combat as well, Ace Combat 5, I believe. Yeah, so but I- see, Resident, Resident Evil made up for it, because if you've played Lost in Nightmares yet, that was that's pretty good. That's that's very very. I think it, the entire Resident Evil Five was that. I would have been okay with it. Yeah, least, I like the way that Resident Evil Five gave you a new uh, part of the story, and it, it seems like a lot are doing that also. They're all putting more effort into the DLC, now. and I also like to see that the the price point seems to be stabilizing, like coming down from where it had been. It's like five bucks, you get a whole new chapter in the game that you already enjoy. It makes the games last longer. So it increases the value of what you've already purchased. But um, yeah. I wonder, though, if more players see it that way. Like, do they see it as adding value to a game that they already have? Or do they see it as paying more for a game that they've already paid for. You know what? I don't fucking understand it because most players or most people play fucking Farmville these days and I don't understand that. So I've given up on understanding most players. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the most, I mean, from the, I guess from the, we can say from the layman, but the most common complaint there is, oh, well, this should have been on the disc. This should have been, it's like, I guess the most, uh, another example I can go to is Assassin's Creed. How they said, oh, well, chapters 12 and 13 are missing because, and they were supposed to be there originally. Well, I mean, if you look at the recent Bonfire of the Vanities and the other one, if its name escapes me, they aren't that great. So if, they, if their inclusion in the main game, I mean, if they took it out of the main game to get it out faster, then that's awesome. I mean, I don't mind paying for an extra. It's my, it's my prerogative to buy them. I don't have to. You, you, you have to on the PC, actually. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's included in the price. Oh. Oh. And the price is more than a normal retail cost of the game. Yep, like, uh, uh, let me look right now on Steam, but I'm pretty sure it's fifty nine ninety nine, and usually PC games retail for uh, 49 Yeah. 
But I mean, those like those DLCs aren't aren't that great. And I mean, if, like I said, take it out of the main game. I mean, that game probably would have scored a little bit lower if those two sequences are in there. So I mean, a lot of players don't understand that when they're like, oh, well, it should have been there. Well, sometimes all content shouldn't be there. So they take things out to improve the overall experience. Yes. Offer that up for the the real fans who want to see the deleted scenes, essentially. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that, but. That's a specific situation where it would elongate a game that didn't need to be longer. Versus mode is a different story. Versus mode is now like standard. Mm -hmm. You have to have online versus mode, and you can't make somebody pay for that. But did did Resident Evil need it, though? I mean, that's the thing, yeah. No, but still, if you're going to include it, since it's standard for every other game, keep it standard. Yeah, I think the necessity of yeah. a versus mode is a different question, but the fact that it exists and you had to buy it separately was kind of a weird move. I mean, I could say it was a dick move, but... Dude, I'm telling you, Activision does it too. I worked for that company, and there was a title where we, I had to like, go through and, and test and stuff, and they were like, uh, test this really quick. I'm like, how are we supposed to test the downloadable content? They're like, <clears throat> oh, don't worry, it's already on the disc. It's like, oh, you... <laughs> we love Activision. Woo! Especially totally. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Anyway, what's the next topic? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to so, go there today. So, it's too much shit. <laughs> do you guys um do you guys feel obligated to purchase new DLC for a game if you particularly enjoyed it? Like does it feel like you're compelled to have to spend the money, like they take the choice away from you by the simple fact of creating the downloadable content? Uh, I'm ashamed, but yes, because I, um, I have this compulsion where I need to have everything related to a game and its content. Uh, like I do it with DVDs as well. Like If a DVD comes out and then another version comes out with more special features, I'll buy that version immediately because I have to have like the best version. So when Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I had to buy the DLC because I need a complete experience. And it doesn't work all that well for me sometimes, but I, I always feel like I need to have every piece of content. So that's just my personality quirk. Mm. Think other gamers are afflicted like that? I'm not. I, I... <laughs> Jason, how do you how do you respond to uh, that particular scenario? Do you feel obligated to purchase DLC? If I like the game, I'm going to buy the downloadable content. If I didn't like the game, I'm not going to buy the downloadable content. If I didn't like the game enough to finish the retail version, I feel no obligation to expand it and see if the expansion will make me like it more. The only the only uh, exception to that rule is Fallout 3 with Broken Steel because it actually added to the main story. It basically rewrote the ending because so many people complained about the ending to begin with. But mostly, like Assassin's Creed 2, I bought it without thinking, because I knew I'm going to play these. Right. Um, rock Band, yes, fuck Rock Band, but I buy songs every once in a while, because I like the songs and I want to play them, that, without even thinking. Yes, I like that song, let's do it. I have the points, sure. Um, Borderlands, uh, although I haven't bought the Borderlands expansion pack yet, but I might go with the add-on pack, which is all three in a retail set. I'll just go with that one. But I want them, because I love Borderlands. If if I like the game, I'm going to buy the DLC. If I don't like the game, I don't see a point. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, what, do you feel compelled? It gets bigger than that for me. 
If, if oh, I don't like your CEO, if you made a stupid fucking comment, I'm not going to support it. <laughs> it's like, if it's you Activ- really want to talk about Activision today, don't you? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, if it's like a publisher or something like that, or if it's like Jack Trenton or something like that saying something about a Sony game, that factors in. Like, you know what? I'm not going to support your company as much because you're making stupid fucking decisions. Again, or you know, a, a developer on the developer side, they make a comment, but um, if they, okay, and like what sort of comment? That, would uh would stop you from buying a DLC. Pick and choose any of of Codex comments lately. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know also for Shadow Complex a lot of people said the you know the guy who wrote the uh, script for that um he has another agenda but that didn't nec- I mean if I bought something for the game that was downloadable content and it what I knew it wasn't going to him because uh, I, I don't think I think he was like contracted out for that because he didn't get any kind of uh, royalties from that game, did he? Are you talking about Arson Scott Card or the writer yeah. of the game? Yeah, Arson Scott Card. No, he they probably paid him for the idea because they use his Empire uh, storyline for the game. But the yeah. writer, yeah, I think he just got like a one-time payment. I, yeah. I'm not, I don't know for sure. So that's what I had heard that he got a one-time payment. So I'm I'm cool with like supporting that game uh, through other means and. It, the game itself didn't have any, you know, uh, I guess racist comments or sexist comments or stuff like that. So, but, you know, I, I'm I'm not that biased towards what people say or that crazy, but I want it to be a factor. I mean, I don't want to support, you know, racism in this industry or bad ideas in this industry. So, mm-hmm. and at fault sometimes I'll miss out on experiences because of it, but whatever. I'm idealistic. Just out of spite. Yeah, kind of. You know. For me, it's not that deep, but <laughs> it's it's as simple as I play a lot of games. Like, I have to play games because, obviously, I write for a video game website. So I get through them, then I move to the next one, then I move to the next one, move to the next one. So a lot of times I'll just neglect to ever pick up DLC, even for games that I really like, <laughs> because I have moved on and... I almost have no time for them. So in my case, and I don't know if it happens to other players, but in my case, DLC sort of just fails to reach me because of its nature of being secondary. It's like I don't get it all when I get the game, so it's too late later. To, to fall, some, too. Yeah, I know. It, it's sad because I'm sure there's DLC that I've missed that... I would love to play. Like I, I loved Assassin's Creed 2, but I still haven't gotten the DLC. I mean, I've heard that it's not the best DLC, but I'm sure I would enjoy it just because of the Assassin's Creed engine and the world and everything that else that I love about that game. But I still haven't played it because it just it slipped by. And this also brings into question, I don't know if this is one of your topics, but uh, you know, Mass Effect is getting DLC right now, and it pertains to, like, the main game. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait probably another month or two before I actually play Mass Effect 2 because then I'll get the quote-unquote complete experience instead of having to beat it, go back, check out the downloadable content, you know, separate from everything else. It's like, why? I see, that doesn't bother me because with a game like Mass Effect, I'd play it four, five, six different times each just to experience, like, a new gun because yeah, I, I'm both. I guess that goes into, like, the greater way we experience media too, because the way I see it, I I rarely play a game 
like a single player or a story-based game more than once, and I rarely see movies more than once these days because I, I want to experience something new. And that that I mean, to each their own. Like, you know, I used to watch over and over again. It's just not the way I am anymore. But you know, for people like me, this I mean, playing Mass Effect once is going to be it. And so I, I really hope companies decide to not like put things in the middle as much anymore with people like me in mind because I'm a, I'm a consumer. I will buy it. Right. You like to make the most complete experience on that first time through. What exactly yeah. are they adding to Mass Effect? I, uh, I well, it's, it's a bunch of free downloadable content through uh, the Cerberus network. There's like guns, armor, now there's like a heavy vehicle that shoots missiles and stuff, kind of like a new Mako, but it's like a it's like a um, like a floating, like a flying Mako. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to add to the experience yet, but we will see. Are you excited that Mass Effect is getting another micro machine that you can drive? Yes. I, I love micro machines. <laughs> I thought the Mako was the worst part of Mass Effect. Oh, I agree with that. I, I wouldn't be excited for any new vehicles in Mass Effect because I, I it always took me out of the narrative when I like went to the top of a big like mountain or hill and then I like tumbled down and I imagined the people inside it just like chilling there, not moving at all. <laughs> They're wearing roller coaster harnesses. Um, yeah. I think it was funny when the DLC for that game, when you had to go to your Normandy crash site and you saw the Mako crashed. I was like, "Yep, this is the appropriate way for this to end." <laughs> yeah. Forget that. Forget uh, that was actually what's one of the better DLCs out there, the Normandy crash site, because you go to each part and it, it's a good reminder of the first game um, for the people who went through the first game. For the people who played the second game and didn't play the first one, well, they won't get anything out of it, will they? Um, no. I loved it. I loved that. See, that's that's another problem with with downloadable content. Um, it has to it has to be not like for a sequel for a, for a game like Assassin's Creed. The two missing memories that's one thing, but with the the Mass Effect Two one, if you're gonna make a, a downloadable content, don't rely on the first game with the second game's downloadable content. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you do that, then you'll lose the people who are playing the second one for the first time. Fuck those and people. They... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Sure. Like, you but, don't go yeah. to Return of the King only seeing Return of the King? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. That's a good point. Although, a little less applicable in video games. Shut your mouth, Eddie. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a good point, though that the developers have to consider who's playing the game and also what the players want. Just yesterday, I spoke with Patrick Bach of uh, DICE, EA DICE, about the way that they do their DLC, the way that they decide to implement it. And he said that, like for example, with Battlefield Bad Company 2, they don't necessarily plan things but they take feedback from their players. They find out what everyone likes about their game and what they want more of, and they see it as an opportunity to deliver more of the content that the players really want. So they're catering to the people who are playing the game as opposed to just releasing things haphazardly. So that I think that's sense. a good way to go for it. You, you give people more of what they want so you can make more money. You know, But that also has to... You have to uh, think about all the developers that need to be there 
you know, at the, at the ready to do this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and how many companies can do that. Right. They would have to keep a standing development team rather than people coming in to work on projects. Yeah. And, and they, they can't, um, these people can't start working on the sequel either. I mean, that's the same thing that, uh, I don't, I hate to use this kind of like, uh, analogy here, but, uh, the, the matrix too, you know, the Merovingian was like one of the coolest characters in the entire thing, mm-hmm. but they couldn't capitalize on his popularity very well because they had already filmed uh, the third movie. And so you, you barely see him in the third one. And that was one of the biggest criticisms that like a lot of the fans had of that. Mm. So, you know, yeah, like that. So it halts development of future titles. Yeah. But should it? I mean, maybe it, it, it can should. and it can. How big is your development studio? EA is huge. Right, so they could have multiple teams, one focusing on expanding old content. Yeah. Uh, it might that. be smart, though, sometimes to delay the next game, you know, from, from the developer's standpoint. If there's still interest in the first game, or whatever it is, the, the previous game, and uh, they can capitalize on that with downloadable content. Wait, you're, you're saying you don't want a new Guitar Hero every two months? I mean, yeah, I want Guitar Hero like every other week. Sure, I'll take, I'll go out and buy a new Guitar Hero every ten minutes. But <laughs> that's exactly what now, I'm saying. You bring up a good point, saying that maybe delay the second game and focus on the first game because there's one series that caused a boycott last year for just this reason: Left 4 Dead. Funny boycott. Um, funny boycott. Yes. Now, in that case, if they're going to bring out an entirely a sequel. But basically, like, a story happening parallel to the first game, and they're willing to support both games, I don't see a problem with that either. Mm-hmm. As long as um, whatever improvements they make in the second game, they can go back and maybe make in the first game through, like, a patch or something like that. Like, a spitter in the first game would be awesome. Or like all those new special infected in the first game would make things a whole lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. But, but you, can't, and, you can't necessarily like do that for specifically for Left 4 Dead because the map design may not yield balance. <laughs> well, right. Yes, that, that's another thing you have to consider then. Although I think with the new uh, the passing, I believe it's called the new uh, package they're coming up with right now that is going to link the two games mm-hmm. where you actually meet up with the first four survivors. That would be cool. Yeah, that that I think would be a good compromise as long as you connect the two games and everybody's happy and nobody boycotts. Um, then I think you're, I think they, they've got the right idea. Valve, oh, of course they do. What are they serious wrong. Right, they they never have. People I, want to think that they have. I think the issue. I mean, like I want to talk about the the whole Left 4 Dead thing. I think the whole issue with that is that when you look at the second game compared to the first, especially Valve's track record with DLC, where they usually just usually give free DLC. I mean, look at Team Fortress 2. That game is completely different than when it was when it first started. And that was all free DLC. So all these people are, are gamers are like, well, you're doing it for TF2, and you said you're going to support Left 4 Dead. Where's all my free content? Where, I mean, come on, Valve's a company. They want to make money. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But Left 4 Dead 1 compared to Left 4 Dead 2, it's like Left 4 Dead 1 is like a beta compared to the second game because the second game is so fleshed out and so there's so many like more features and it looks better 
and the dom, you know, everything looks just better in that game. So I guess that's where most of the outrage came from on that one. So do we think that it wouldn't be possible to add the elements of Left 4 Dead 2 into Left 4 Dead 1 by maybe adding the, the enemies and then creating new maps to support those enemies and adding the weapons? Or is that just way too much to to expect from the developer? I think it's way too much from, for the developer because, I mean, they have a perfectly good game that does all that already. And, I mean, why would they want to exert work to do that for people who don't want to upgrade? I mean, that's like saying... Let's go back and add a few more features to the original Xbox because people who don't want to upgrade the 360. I mean, it's a it's a pretty far out there analogy, but it still holds the same weight. Well, what I meant though was maybe instead of Left 4 Dead 2, if they oh okay, yeah, I mean that probably would have been happened. They could have altered it and upgraded it, like just like they did with TF2. I mean that would have happened, but I mean that's this is the, this is the road that Valve chose to take, and. I mean, we're, we're, we have to either go along with it or just say, no, I'll stick with Left 4 Dead 1. True. I mean, you vote with your dollar, honestly. I mean, you want to stay with Left 4 Dead. I mean, you're getting the passing DLC, like uh, Jason said, and that's going to work for both games. Is there, am I right, or is it just for Left 4 Dead 2? I think it's just for 2, but there, okay. it'll... I, I see, I'm not, I'm not sure of all the details on it. Okay. Uh, let me look that up real quick while I'm thinking about yeah. it. But then uh-huh. you have... Speaking of, like... I mean, real quick, speaking of that same thing, like, if the passing works for both games... Then you have uh, Rock Band. I mean, let's go back to the glorified Simon, but I mean, every Rock Band song works in Rock Band 1. I mean, you don't have to go to 2 if you don't want to. You can just stay with 1, and you still can play all the music that I'm playing on 2. So, I mean, that's a great way of doing it. I think I think Rock Band 1 and Rock Band 2 are are, are far more similar than Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. I, I personally, I was a little jaded at first when I heard Valve was, you know, doing what they were doing with uh, Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, but man, after playing 2... It's no contest. Like I, I'm, I was happy to pay for Left 4 Dead One. I had a great time with that, and I'm happy to pay for Two for what it was. That was huge. Yeah. That doesn't even compare to like any of Activision and and Harmonix's games with any of the iterations. Really, I mean, you can go from Guitar Hero to Band Hero, and it's still completely different. Uh, for clarification, the passing. Um, is only Left 4 Dead 2, and then we'll meet, and the survivors from 2 will meet up with the survivors from 1. However, a month or so after the passing comes out, La- Valve plans to release an add-on for the original Left 4 Dead that will only work in the original game that shows how the original survivors got to where they meet with the new survivors in the passing. Oh, okay. So they're both getting a content that link to each other, but you can only play the passing on 2 and the one for the original on the original. So it's essentially the same effect. Right. So people that are going to play the one on the original are going to be like, wow, what the fuck am I doing? This doesn't play as good. Okay, let's stop wasting our time. Let's forget about this. Let's go on YouTube and watch it. <laughs> have, have any of you played Left 4 Dead 1 after playing 2? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not even the same. I can't go back to the first one anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, really, how many people are they doing this for? Okay, so going back to the the iterative releases of games like uh, Guitar Hero, one one aspect of gaming that kind of bothers me is sports titles, and it plays into DLC because it's kind of what we aren't seeing that maybe we should. Why do we have sports titles that remain 
essentially the same year after year, but with a new mode and a new roster. Why are these not $5 DLC? I mean, sometimes a sports game will revamp its core gameplay mechanics, and in that case, it's like a full update. It may require a new game, but more than occasionally, we see very minor changes that could probably be released as a DLC patch or something of that nature for far less money than a full retail disc. What do you guys think about that? See, that that is a slippery, slippery slope because while it can be said that you can just upgrade it every year for a certain amount, I believe that they make far more money releasing a brand new version every year with all of the advertising that they do every year and all of the marketing that they do every year. Madden, Madden has an entire like press conference to announce their cover athlete. This year, they're letting fans vote on who the cover athlete is. If you make it downloadable content, you don't have that cover athlete stigma anymore. It's gone. It, so that, it, that's kind of the point is that they're making a lot of money that – is so unnecessary from the player perspective. Like, yeah, it's good business, obviously, but it's, again, it's like kind of a dick move. Well, I, I I would agree with the dick move, but until it stops making money, it's not, it's never, it's just good. They're just going to keep dicking us over and over and over again. It's too lucrative to just say, you know what, we're going to be nice to our gamers um, and we're just going to make uh, a roster update and a graphics patch and a mechanics patch and go from there. Event what you might see in the future, they'll just release one more game called Madden NFL Football with Madden on the cover or some or someone not a player on the cover, and that's when you'll get your every year upgrades. Until then, as much as I agree that it, it's rather unnecessary and and a strain on wallets it's never going to change anybody else i don't know very much about the semantics of what they include what they don't include um so i can't really speak on this but i I agree with you that you know money is involved so and (laughs) you know the the madden crew that's all they buy sometimes yeah so you cut that out I have a friend who has uh, an Xbox 360, Madden, and Assassin's Creed because he's obsessed with revenge. (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, I mean, when it comes to, like, I mean, real quick, when it comes to sports games, I mean, uh, like Jason said, I mean, people, the the casual gamers, they they get into the whole uh, fervor of, of the new game and the new athlete and and what's going to change? I mean, they're so in that mindset of spending sixty instead of ten for um, for a new game, and then it looks like EA and Two K are trying to like um, make people like us feel better by saying, "Oh, well, you get roster updates like every week." Like NBA, uh, MLB the Show last year did roster updates, and you can go online every week and get the, any new changes, any new rotations, anything of that nature. And that, I mean, to me, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I can keep myself updated throughout the entire season. But then once baseball's over, that's over. And then basically they're making me go, all right, well, now you need to buy our next game. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no choice because I like playing baseball games. 
to keep either playing MLB The Show with my old rosters and do it myself manually, or I can be lazy and buy the new game, and hopefully they'll change, you know, pitching or they'll change fielding. Um, when I, of course, I think, hey, why can't you just change this stuff with a patch? I mean, why can't I, can't, I pay $5 for a patch and download it and you can change the pitching? Well, no. I mean, there's a lot of baseball fans and football fans who pay new money for a new game because it's like a cultural event now. Mm. I mean, until that until that's over, like Jason said, I mean, until people get out of that and say, you know what? No, I want to you know update them, and we stop buying it, then maybe they'll we'll get it. Yes, I guess it is. It is really a choice for the player. But then again, how many people are actually going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I guess it's not a choice. But I mean, the the fact that each season is, uh, you put it a good way, Matt, a, a cultural event, like opening day in baseball is always this big deal. I mean, that's the sport that I'm into the most, so that's what I would gravitate to or use in, as an example. But opening day is like a huge deal. Even spring training sometimes can be a big deal. It's like, yes, it's time for the season. Yes, yeah, okay, get ready. Buy- game is making it, you know, it's the introduction to the new season, and for people who are truly fans, that's just part of their experience, and maybe they prefer that. But, I mean, it's not as as simple as a simple, like, a roster update. You got, like, rookies coming in each year, you have to, you know, mo-cap them, possibly, you have to, you know, get their face caps. Um, New stadiums, the new twin stadium's gonna be in, what's that, 2K... The new 2K one or something? Nobody cares about the Twins. <laughs> they did quite well here. And Joe Maurer? Come on. Come on. One of the best I'm players. Just kidding. Yeah. He's but, right. Yeah. Kyle's right. I mean, real quick, Kyle. Like, you got to put, like, new stadiums and stuff in there. Uh, and Or if, like, a, if, like, the Yankees, they went from their stadium to another one. I mean, if we don't – I mean, if it's not a patch, they have to, like, go in. They have to uh, take pictures at new stadium, you know, render it. So – Fuck the Yankees. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bias. Um, yeah, well, unless, yeah, see, well, that, that's a different uh, that's a different scenario altogether. If there's a brand new stadium or if there's, like, additions to the real life that have to go into the game, then yes. It's going to take a lot more than just a patch or a download. A download. But I, I don't know. The more I think about it, I kind of like the idea of just having one sports game updated every year for like a twenty dollar patch or a fifteen dollar patch because that you know hmm it could be done on the PC true but see I was never a PC gamer so that the whole PC thing just eludes me <laughs> well the same thing like MMOs and stuff how they're updated you know. New patch comes in, you gotta download it and all that, but you can make an optional patch. Then you're segmenting your market, I guess, which we learned from Ghost Recon way back in the early days of the uh, Xbox 360 that you don't do, so. No. Who knows? Fucked up. Sports. I don't care about them, whatever. No. <laughs> I think that just about wraps it up, unless there's any other remaining thoughts you guys have that you want to get out there. Is there anything? Um, I have one quick question that I would like to add to this. Um, downloadable content versus downloadable full game, like the arcade, like the PlayStation Network, like the being able to download the old PS1 games. 
Um, would you have a problem with a downloadable content patch for a downloadable game? Because that just seems redundant. Like if you have to buy a patch for a game that was downloadable to begin with. I don't know. I think it, it's really just the same because I, I don't think digital distribution for retail games is um, that much different than brick and mortar. So I, the difference is minimal to me. I spend my money on stupid stuff sometimes, and you know the fact that there's like a two dollar downloadable patch or content for a game isn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Sometimes. So if there is, you know, like a, a patch for a downloadable game, it just depends on what I'm feeling in that second. You know, I mean, it really it's it's like when you're in the checkout aisle at Best Buy or something, and you see an item really quick. You would never think about buying that item if you're walking around in other parts of the store, but because you're right beside the checkout line, or, or like they have, you know, a soda there or something, you're like, oh, I'm really thirsty right now. Oh, fuck it, I'm going to spend $1.50 on it or something. Impulse buying. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about that, you know? I, I bought more games on Steam because of impulse buying than I would ever do in the store if I saw it. Man, he's right. I have like 90 games on Steam. 10 are installed. <laughs> There's no <laughs> deliberation on Steam. It's just like button click bought. Exactly. I've only bought two games on Steam. It was an impulse. Of course, they were on sale, so I guess it doesn't really count. But it was still impulse, and I've played them maybe once each. <laughs> Is Steam? one of them Plants vs Zombie? No, they're both <laughs> Odd World. Oh, uh, okay. But that's the same same thing. Like if I'm on PSN as well, and then if they said like. Okay, in Street Fighter 2, we're going to bring uh, some Street Fighter 4 characters to that game for, like, five bucks. I'd be like, shit, what? done. <laughs> God. Yeah, right. Yeah, you have my money right now for that one. Yeah, and I don't even play Street Fighter 2 anymore. I'd probably play it once just to check it out, but they'd get my money. So. Now, so that bring, you bring up Street Fighter, that brings up an interesting question, too. Um, Super Street Fighter 4, would you have rather that been a downloadable patch or does it need to be a full retail game? Oh, I've written extensively about that, sir. I will say that they fucked up completely on Street Fighter 4 and that they should have built a, a, a platform so that people could have, you know, updated their game just like, you know, these free-to-play MMOs. You want new characters and stuff? Just pay a couple bucks extra. You want... uh And the patch, like the balance patch and stuff, that's mandatory, I feel. But yeah. the extra characters and stuff? I mean, that way they could have made a lot more money, too. Capcom sticking to an old way of thinking that you know you have to have these iterations each year to make money, and it's it'll work for them. But at some point, the devout Street Fighter people might be a little more jaded than they expect. So, right, I think you hit the nail on the head with them uh, missing out on some profit there because I think if that came out just as an update to Street Fighter Four, anyone who plays Street Fighter Four would get it, but because it's retail, it, you have that deliberation again. You may or may not go out and get it because you already have. I already have Street Fighter Four. Why do I need Super Street Fighter Four? Yeah, and to the casual gamers, you know that's not that big of an upgrade. But for me, the crazy fucking devout person, yeah, yeah. it's you it's a deal. You but, need it because it has Dudley. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, for a Street Fighter idiot like me, that's forty dollars spent. But for some ten-year-old kid looking in the store, he sees Street Fighter Four for twenty-five dollars and Super Street Fighter Four for forty dollars. You know, he's just taking the regular one. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. And and you know, 
it segments the market once again. Like, I'm not going to go back to Street Fighter 4. Why would I? Right, there's no reason to. Yeah, and, and if they could bridge those those people somehow, but they're not. They're not going to. It sucks. So all those people are cutting, getting cut out of it. And, you know, and in terms of profit, you look at companies like Nexon and what they're pulling in. Have they had a bad quarter in the last two or three years? Because I don't think they have. You know, and the free-to-play MMO genre is probably the fastest-growing one among all of them right now. They're pulling in, was it Nexon pulled in $500 million to a $1 billion alone in revenue in 2008, I think it was. Jeez. Yeah. That was the estimation on, on the claims. I'll find the news item and stuff and send it to you guys. But, yeah, they're they're growing, and no one's capitalizing them on the console. segment of gaming. Yeah. And it's because they're nailing the downloadable model. It's just a updatable platform. Yep. I think that's everything. Thanks, guys. Um, how about a couple of plugs and shout-outs, if you have them, uh, and then we'll be out of here. Kyle, anything to say? Uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. All right. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, who's that? Hulk Hogan? That's what he used to say. Trade, say your prayers, need your vitamins, brother. That's coincidence that we say the exact same thing. <laughs> no, she uh, was, that was so spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I was like, Hulk, what's up, man? No, uh, yeah. I'm getting back into competitive gaming when Super Street Fighter 4 comes out, so uh, check ludicdreams.com and my justin.tv slash coyotegray account. So. Yeah, I'll be I'll be streaming a lot of games. I'll be streaming Global Agenda, League of Legends, a lot of stuff. All right, and Matt, um, I have that new gamer node column, Bioshock Two, the anti Bioshock. Uh, that one, look at that right now. Um, probably soon my Napoleon Total War review, and uh, I have a podcast myself called Eight Bit Bar. So check that out. It's on iTunes and Zoom Marketplace. All right, we'll link to that. And Jason, how about you? Um, I have a review coming up for Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. I know. Brace yourselves. Um, no, Whoa. I want to know. know how that is. So I will I, If you're a Sega fanboy, it's your wet dream. If not, don't don't worry about it. I have, I'm working on another column um, based on my work and people I see at my work and what their certain opinions are on certain aspects of video games. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to Quantic Dream for making Heavy Rain because that 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 game is just fantastic. Awesome, and you could expect the chat style review of Heavy Rain between Jason and I coming up very very soon. Actually, you can probably read it already, considering the fact that it'll be up very soon after the recording of this podcast, and the podcast won't go up until after the review. So there's that. Otherwise. Just check out GamerNode. We've got a bunch of reviews and columns and new interviews going up and more and more content every day. And that's that. We're also on, on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash GamerNode. Woo! All right. Thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time. See you. Hugs. Later. Cause it's one, two, three strikes, you're out of the old ball game.
Sports. Fuck Rock Band. <laughs> what else? <laughs> Keep going. Fuck Activision. Okay. I can go with that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna jump on this. But... <laughs>